This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. This is a podcast about the manosphere, so it may contain references to extremist misogyny and violence, and it will definitely contain lots of swears. Hey, Dan, did you know that men don't need love and affection? Oh, my God. That's not true. Seriously. (laughs) Ryan. Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Manosphere Debunked. I'm Aileen Barrett of Tinder Translators on Instagram. And I am Dan, otherwise known as the Narcissist Psychologist on Instagram. Hello Aileen, how are you? I'm fine, thank you. Um, we thought we should explain what we mean when we say bonus episodes, didn't we? Yeah, they've kind of just um, developed as we've got along with this, but we thought we might uh, formalise it somewhat. Yeah, let's formalise it. So basically, if you listened to last week's episode, we promised you the next episode would be a super fun look at a male suicide and then we joked about how like that would be super fun and that's why we needed other episodes where we rag on Jordan Peterson etc to break it up the bonus episodes are kind of like that so the idea of the podcast is to debunk these big manosphere myths but in between we're going to look at little clips from podcast bros you know the general misogyny grifters and sort of just I don't know say that they're wrong (laughs) Yeah, spend some time trying to have some, I guess, maybe honest reflections and sort of reactions to things that are sometimes quite outlandish. Hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, you always say it nice to me, aren't <laughs> I feel like I need to cathartically just take the piss out of all of this stuff mm. and then I can go back into being like thoughtful and compassionate. Yeah, the only reason I do it is because in my head I've got to be like, I can I can take the piss, but there also has to be like a certain level of not necessarily professionalism, but also representing my uh, profession in a way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so that nobody takes me to the HCPC and is like, there's a psychologist that's just awful on the internet and should lose his license to practice. Yeah. So, <laughs> Well, if it's good enough for Jordan Peterson. Um... Anyway. <laughs> it's good enough for me. <laughs> Right. So Mm. today, you don't know much about what we're doing today, do you? Uh, I have an inkling, but no, (laughs) not. Well, you know who you know who we're going to talk about. Yes, I know who we're going to talk about, Mm. and there's a healthy dose of um, anxiety and excitement about it. If I'm (laughs) honest. So today, we're going to look at a clip from Chris Williamson, who is um, a podcaster and sort of he's an influencer. Effectively, men don't like to call themselves influencers. Because that's a woman thing, I suppose. All these podcast bros just influencers, but they're like, I'm a podcaster and a life coach. So, okay, babes. But Chris Williamson, he's got this podcast, Modern Wisdom. It's a very popular podcast, much more popular than us. So, you know. For now. Yeah, for now. Quite right. He was formerly a contestant on Love Island, but he doesn't really mention that very much anymore. In fact, I think he calls himself a former TV personality. On his website... His tagline is learning out loud. And he says, hi, hello, people. I'm Chris. I'm a podcaster, YouTuber and club promoter. Currently learning out loud with guidance from the most interesting people on the planet. Club promoter? Yeah, apparently. I don't know who he was at some point. Yeah. I was going to say the podcast endorsements can't be doing that hell of a good if he's still a club promoter. 
I think he just wanted to put a real job in there somewhere. I'm sorry, is podcasting not a real job? What are we doing this for? We're not getting paid, bitch, if you're not talking. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. So, Chris Williamson, he's got like a, a newsletter every Monday called like Three Minute Newsletter and it's three things he's learned and then his latest life hack. So that comes out every Monday. That's a lot of learning and that's a, a lot of advice to churn out you know. Yeah, you might think it might might impact the quality of it. <laughs> Just throwing that out there but as context before we listen to this clip. But I thought this would be a good bonus episode because it's about men's mental health. And well, he's he's on another podcast. I don't know. They all look the same to me. But he's talking about a conversation he had or a story he was told by a... We don't know who, whether he's a psychotherapist or a psychologist. Or he's an ex-psychologist attachment therapist. A man called Adam Lane Smith who told him this story which we're going to hear and then we're going to talk about the story and the implications of it and just um also just enjoy dan's reaction to the video in general okay God. you're gonna love it okay you're gonna love it it's right on your street. something tells me that i might not man they don't so much need love they want respect if they had to choose between love and respect from their mate they would choose respect women need love they want to be loved and adored and everything else men different so i had a psychotherapist called adam lane smith on my podcast and he said that male depression gets treated like female depression men are made to feel loved and accepted when all they want to do is feel capable and powerful he used this example of the blitz in world war ii before before the war started, there were these psychiatric wards and they had patients. These patients had been totally comatose, unresponsive. Then the blitz starts. So there were fires and there were injuries all over London and there were ambulances and fire engines. And there was no one to drive. These men got up and started driving fire engines and ambulances. These men that had been unresponsive for years and years and years. Give a man a purpose and the ability to achieve it and he will crawl over broken glass with mm -hmm. a smile. Okay. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't quite know where to start, if I'm honest. I wish I wish there was an emoji that could represent Dan's face watching that, that I could put on the video or something, because, yeah. <sighs> okay. There's a lot to unpack. There's a, yeah, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot there. But as uh, you can see, uh, men don't need love. <laughs> well, that's an interesting place to start, because I guess... At what point do men no longer start to need love? Because, you know, at, at some point in our life, we were all children. And one of the key developmental needs of a child is to be loved and to be cared for and to be nurtured and to be looked after. And so you would think that that would be, well, I say that you would think that I know that as a psychologist, <laughs> that is something that continues to be a need that we all want and that we all look for and that we all crave and desire and makes us feel good. Mm -hmm. So my question would be to to these two individuals who are having this, what sounds like a ridiculous conversation, at what point then, if children, both boys and girls, do need love in order to develop into healthy adults, at what point do boys grow up and somebody goes, oh, do you know what? You've, 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 you've reached your limit for all the love <laughs> and care. It's, you know, what you now need is respect. So we're just going to replace love with respect. And then hopefully that will meet your sort of requirements to, to be yeah. valued. Um, additionally, when do women stop needing respect? I just feel like everyone needs both. Yeah, exactly. 
So yeah, so that's like a super depressing starting point to speak about men's mental health from. Again, a lovely lovely example of the trope of, if I were to say this, I would get accused of misandry. Mm. And to be fair, that would be right. If I were to say on my feminist page, men don't need love. They just want respect. You don't need to give them love and affection. That's not what they need. People would be like, that's a wild thing to say. Of course Mm. men need love as well as women. Um, Mm. But I wouldn't say that because I'm not a prick. But you know what? But you know what, though? This, like, I don't understand what the point of this podcast would be. Like, what's the end goal in this type? Well, I I guess the answer lies in the, the rest of the clip, isn't it? Where mm-hmm. it's the idea that men require purpose to the point where there's this example of, you know, men in the Blitz who were co- like near comatose with whatever was going on. And then they kind of got up and drove these um, fire engines. Which, by the way, and I'm not saying that in my training, I probably will have been exposed to all examples of um, how to kind of overcome depression or mental health or mental uh, mental health issues or mental illness. But mm-hmm. that sounds like it would be quite a prominent example um, to be taught in terms mm-hmm. of how to kind of overcome depression. And I've never heard of that story. Yeah, I saw this clip a while ago and I was like, that's really interesting. That's a really cool thing. I'm surprised I've never heard of that. I'm surprised it's never been made into like an Oscar winning British film. Like I was like, I can picture the cast in my head. It'd be like mm-hmm. Ray Fiennes is like the old guy. There'd be like maybe like a Dominic Cooper, maybe Tom Hardy, Tom Hiddleston would be in there. And then Lily James would be playing like the love interest, the woman who's like come out of the kitchen to also do the fire engine driving or whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see written by Richard Curtis, you know, there you go. Do you know what I mean? Why hasn't that film been made? And as far as I can see, it's because it never happened. So. Not at all? Mm Mm-mm. Not, not, not at all. So, so what's, so, um... What's Adam Lane Smith talking about then? Nobody fucking knows. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, I did. I okay. did. Um, I don't know how many different combinations of men psychiatric patient blitz, men psychiatric patient blitz, fire engines, men like patient psychiatric war. Um, I did it in Google Scholar. I did it in Google. Not one citation. The only thing I found was a Reddit thread. Oh, right. <laughs> which basically, no, but, but the Reddit thread wasn't even, didn't even say the story. In fact, I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. Reddit slash ask historians. And it's just this guy being like, did psychiatric patients volunteer as drivers during the Blitz in London? I regularly listen to a podcast hosted by Chris Williamson. I'd like to fact check a story he told about the Blitz. To support the argument that men should be treated differently from women by psychologists, citing their need for purpose and a way to fulfil it, he mentioned that during the Blitz in London, patients from psychiatric wards volunteered to drive ambulances and fire engines due to some staff shortages, which I think is like a weird way to put like, all of the men being at war. But anyway, I'm unable to find any references about this. Do you have any ma- information on it? And then Reddit's most upvoted answer is no. I saw the same guy on Facebook and looked for examples, but it appears to be nonsense. <laughs> I couldn't find any evidence to support that claim. It's extremely unlikely that authorities would 
subject unstable and vulnerable patients to the trauma of dealing with bombing victims, let alone making them drive something as valuable and hard to replace as an ambulance. So there's that. Uh, yeah. So well, 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 firstly, I'm quite glad that there are other people in the world who have heard that same podcast clip and were a bit like, I'm just going to double check that this isn't a load of bullshit. Hooray for media literacy, right? Like, and um, actually, when I was, because I was going to do a video about this just for my Instagram. So I went on Adam Lane Smith's website and wrote in the contact form and said, Oh, did you? Oh, you got in touch yeah, with him? Yeah, and said like, oh, well, I tried and said like, hi, oh. <laughs> um, I really like this story. I would like to know more about it and like where any references. Never heard back, but I did get subscribed to his email list. <laughs> so... I don't know if he's made it up or someone else has told him it. I'm not saying that Adam Lane Smith is a liar, but he certainly hasn't done his due diligence. Neither has Chris Williamson. The thing about saying that you're learning out loud is that if you're just speaking to people and believing whatever they say, that's not like critical thinking. That's just talking to some dudes on a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make you wise. It doesn't make you modern wisdom. It makes you like reinforce the things you already think and also potentially and also potentially a bit gullible really yeah and the thing about chris williamson is that he loves like to find little like phrases so for example the thing he says at the end of this clip which is super harmful when he says give a man a purpose and he'll crawl over broken glass with a smile yeah well then don't give him a purpose because i don't want him to crawl over broken glass with a smile rather he didn't crawl over broken glass with uh, you know in any way but I guess the the thing that is unhelpful is that this kind of story, analogy, um, fable mm-hmm. kind of reinforces the idea that men, for one, apparently don't need love and care and nurturance, but actually all that they need to do in order to come from the depths of comatose depression. Yeah. Unresponsive. Unresponsive. Unresponsive comatose depression is purpose and it's this kind of pull yourself up from from your bootstraps mentality that you can just kind of mentally break through whatever is making you depressed and that that is just it just further perpetuates this idea that men's emotional capacity is unimportant and that we aren't emotional beings and that we don't Oh, it just winds me up. It's just so ridiculous. Yeah, it's really, it's what we talked about on the last episode, really. This idea that, like, men don't need to be loved and cuddled. It's like, okay. But then you're saying, like, men, please talk about your mental health. Pick a lane, dudes. But, (laughs) you know what I mean? Yeah, one or the other. Brings us on to what I want to think about next, which is that the idea that entering an active war zone would help men with their mental health famously completely sort of overlooks the fact that what we understand about trauma now comes from the idea of men returning from war previously experiencing what was then known as shell shock became Mm -hmm. more commonly understood as ptsd then this narrative that chris williamson is talking about is trying to glorify that idea of sending you know, what could be considered quite vulnerable and people who are not necessarily in the best mental state to then go into a war zone and that being Mm -hmm. what kind of is helpful for them? Like, yeah, exactly, as you say, really. I mean, (laughs) it's just when you actually think about it for more than three seconds, it's the most preposterous idea 
it's just wild. And when you when you when you do do all of the different Google searches trying to find this story that never happened, as far as we know, what does come up is actually loads of studies about the psychological impact of the Blitz on Londoners, mm-hmm. and not just Londoners. I mean, lots of different places were bombed. My nan was in the bomb shelters with my like toddler uncle during World War Two in Swansea. Mm-hmm. Um, she her nerves were shot because her husband was stretcher bearing in the bombing of Swansea um, and the doctor told us to take up smoking just a little fun little side story there um, <laughs> and and the, basically the, the stuff that came up and there's loads of different articles about it is um, when the idea of the spirit of the blitz was invoked during COVID like mm-hmm. being selfless getting on with it you know mm-hmm. it was like you, you know the blitz wasn't actually like a really positive like time for mental health you know that actually had massive impacts on lots and lots of people it's probably really fucking scary yes also imagine you're like a nurse on a psychiatric ward and like bombs start falling and suddenly like a load of men just like rise like zombies out of their bed and go like (laughs) we must drive the ambulances like what are you talking about but the real the really galling thing about this story of like the men who drove the ambulances and the fire trucks and they rose to the occasion because there was no one else to do it. Mm. That, you know who actually rose to the occasion because there was no one else to do it and like drove ambulances and fire trucks? You're going to tell me it was women, right? It was fucking women. Hmm. So there were still some men who they were old or they like, so for example, like my grandpa was deaf in one ear, so he was, he wasn't sent to a front or anything. So they did a lot of the firefighting in the Blitz, but according to the London's fire service website, by the end of World War II, 70,000 women had signed up to be trainees in the fire service. And they would mostly do like the driving of the fire trucks and stuff rather than the firefighting. Also women joined the ambulance service. Women filled in literally like everything that what because you know the men did and this was part of like the gender revolution to come because women were like oh my god I have a purpose and respect and actually yeah. I quite like this and I would yeah. like to continue to have a life outside the home that's why I find this story particularly galling because it's like actually it's not why I find it particularly galling I find it particularly galling because it's used to prove this next point of the male and female depression are different and need different treatments. I imagine that there were a lot of women who felt very depressed and like uninspired by their lives that during World War II had a whole, I mean, first of all, they probably had like more sexual freedom because they were away from their families and stuff. And they had a lot more excitement and purpose. Like that would have happened to lots of people who did different things during World War II. It also would have like scarred a lot of people for life. So let's not romanticize it. But yeah, it's just this idea that like, and that's why you have to treat male and female depression differently. And I wanted to ask, you were saying to me before we came on that like male and female depression can present differently. Mm-hmm. But is there a concept of like there's actual male depression and female depression and they definitely need to be treated differently? The idea behind the fact that men and women present differently comes down to the fact that it's possible that because men present differently when they're depressed, maybe they aren't necessarily thought of as depressed. Mm -hmm. And so I guess when it's thought of as men and women present differently, it's maybe trying to think a little bit more broadly about how men 
may may appear when they're sort of feeling depressed in order to kind of make sure that we capture those men within sort of like mental health services but i guess though in terms of the in terms of the treatment of depression i'm not necessarily sure that that's you know 100% gendered because i guess when you work with somebody in therapy it's really trying to understand why the person has become depressed mm-hmm. like what factors in that person's life um have sort of taken them to down the route of of being depressed and so like so is it like individual like do you just look at like the person holistically and not like <laughs> categorize them by gender is that no yeah it's not it's the... do you not go sorry but you're a woman so you just need to be loved and given a bit of appreciation and you'll be all right and then you tap them on the head yeah yeah in a very patronizing yeah. way it's got to be a patronizing yeah. way otherwise it doesn't no, work yeah. and then and then with men you just sort of say you know all you need is respect and then you start just giving them respect and then just magically the depression is gone and that sort of brings me to like the last point i wanted to make about this preposterous clip is like so if somebody needs love and affection to feel okay cool that is a thing that we can access and we can give ourselves right and we could sort of give ourselves respect Mm -hmm. and purpose as well if the idea is that we need these external things in order to feel okay that's a bit dangerous anyway i mean people do Mm -hmm. people need other people and stuff but this idea that the only thing that these men in you know who are in catatonic depressive states needed was was a purpose was like was to be needed essentially i mean I, Mm -hmm. i don't believe that none of these men first of all had didn't have families that I mean, they're not, they're, they're fictional, mm. but didn't have like families who <laughs> needed them if they were real. You know, there would be people who needed yeah. them in lots of ways. But so let's accept the idea that, okay, men need to feel respected and powerful and have purpose, like an external purpose. That is not something you can consistently have throughout your life. You go through no. changes, you know, if you say you were in the army you get injured the question should be if that is even if that was true which i don't think it is true i think it's really reductive the question would be okay so how do we give men tools to not have poor mental health outcomes if they don't have those things how do we get them to Mm -hmm. feel respect for themselves so like how do we if this even if it was true the answer shouldn't be let's make sure all these men have got a purpose let's get some more ambulances out for them to drive or Mm -hmm. whatever from what i have learned about men's mental health and also like male suicide rates is that a lot of it seems to be based on this idea that they have to be useful that they have to be needed they have to have a kind of certain Mm -hmm. purpose and if they don't Mm -hmm. then you know if they're not useful then what's the point of me being here if i'm not you know fulfilling a certain role then what's the point Mm -hmm. but basically this idea of like you need a purpose and then you'll be okay is really toxic for men's mental health, I think. So no, so I, I agree. There is a narrative that men need purpose or there is a current sort of idea within the zeitgeist that men are struggling because they are starting to feel like they have no purpose. Mm-hmm. And I guess just one of the things that I was thinking about is is if that's true, then we need to kind of redefine what purpose is because you're you're quite right. There's a sense of utility and usefulness and there is this notion that particularly within sort of the West and particularly within a capitalist society, the idea of purposefulness is directly tied to 
how much you can produce mm -hmm. or how good you are in your career or how much you can achieve or how much you can provide. And it's and there's something sort of status driven or mm. it's tied to status of some kind. Whereas actually there's so many ways to be a human being that can be purposeful. Like you can be a parent, you, you can be a family member, you can be a member of your community, you can be so many different friend, things that aren't like, necessarily yeah. tied to, yeah, exactly. You know, just the fact that you are a human being on this earth means that you have some kind of, you know, you're here, not necessarily for a reason, but you are just here. And pot potentially your purpose is to just live your life. You have value separate from what you do for society. Yeah. And uh, contrary to popular podcasts, there is no such thing as a high value and low value person. I really mm -hmm. hate it when people try to like co-opt that and be like, actually, low value means this. I'm like, no, let's just reject that entire language. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. And like, also, like, I'm a bit scared of the idea that men need to feel powerful and be respected. But who do they need power over and who do they need to be respected by? I mean, I think it's other men as well, but it's definitely their partners, isn't it? But but yeah, but I guess, you know, sort of slightly irrespective of whether it's from men or women, then there's the additional sort of inference behind there that there are ways in which to maintain that power and that respect and that actually there are usually to, you know, if you take things to the nth degree, that's usually obtained through some means of violence or some means of aggression. Of dominance at least, yeah. Of dominance at least, yeah, which um, is just, again, yeah. It's not. It's not the one, is it? Yeah. So basically, we're not impressed with Chris Williamson's ideas about men's mental health. But I'd say that's no. a good conclusion to draw. I think that's probably pretty sound. So yeah, that's that's about it for this bonus episode. I wish all of the men a powerful and respected week and all of the women a loved and appreciated one. And then we'll all be fine. <laughs> Oh, and if you're a man and you see some glass, please, for the love of God, don't crawl over it. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode of Manosphere Debunked, please leave us a review and subscribe wherever you listen. You can also send questions, suggestions and thoughts to manosphere-debunked at gmail.com. All of the materials referenced in this podcast are linked in the show notes. If somebody somewhere can do some kind of amazing Google search and can actually find this story and send it to us to verify its existence, please, if you're listening, and take this as a challenge to do it. If you're like, but... I was one of those men. Like, <laughs> oh, like that, that was my granddad. Yeah, exactly. Um, Send us his diaries. We'll write a best-selling film. <laughs>